Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome to the HBO Boys Podcast. Today we are talking about Succession, Season 4, Episode 3, entitled Connor's Wedding, a episode that we were looking forward to very much because having it be entitled Connor's Wedding means a few things. It means that you're going to just for sure going to get a classic episode of Succession with Succession-based hijinks and people saying funny things. Connor having uh, a generally bad time uh, relative to his monologue last episode where he claimed that he was loveless. And so, you know, obviously we're going to get like a, a fun, you know, a little bit loose succession episode. Nope. Not nah. even close. Not, <laughs> not even, even close. In, not, even the, not even in the same hemisphere? No. <laughs> like, what? Uh, I'm Ryan. That's Justin. Let's just get right into this shit because the setup for this episode, like all parts of it, were perfect, right? We're going into it. Like I said, it has an intriguing name, Connor's episode, Connor's wedding, and Logan's off to uh, see Matson in Sweden instead of going to his oldest son's wedding, which is classic Logan. Classic Logan. On the way to said airplane to go to Sweden, he calls Roman to give him a test, a la season two, episode two, where he tells Kendall to uh, kill Walter, something that he wanted to keep. But just to test his loyalty, he had Kendall do that. And now to test Roman's loyalty, he is having him fire Jerry. And he does it begrudgingly, but he does it all the same. He does it in like easily the most awkward worst way you could ever fire someone or have a social interaction with somebody. He says it's bad. We'll talk about it later. At which point Jerry's not stupid and she's like, I'm being fired, aren't I? And Roman's like, I mean uh, I mean sort of yeah, a a little. (laughs) While they walk into the wedding they see Willa immediately and also now know that Connor is freaking out about the cake, which I thought it was just going to be like a one-off thing, but again, nope. It leads to them telling a heartbreaking story about when Connor's mother, who, as we recall, not the same mother as the other three siblings, uh, when she was being institutionalized by Logan to make Connor stop crying, they just gave him cake for a week. So cake now gives him PTSD? Apparently. And it's like he had to have known. I think it was like specific to what type of cake it was. Uh, I, I At a certain point, he would have interacted 
with said cake, which kind of just goes to show how like caught up in all of the brass band and the rappers and the Statue of Liberty that he was in the preparations of this wedding. Because like for him to be on the day of his wedding and be like, <gasps> cake, <laughs> like, you come to me on the unhinged. day of my own wedding and give me cake. How dare you? <laughs> Who are you? So right off the bat, some sad Connor stuff, which is in the hijinks category, right? It's sad hijinks, but hijinks nonetheless. And you're like, okay, right on. This is the episode that I feel that or I just felt in my body was about to happen. And then Logan's Logan dies. <laughs> He's dead. I'm going to I'm going to come clean here. I Throughout the entirety of the episode, there was really not a point at which I was like, it was almost one of those things where it's like, show me the body, like Game of Thrones status. If they still yes. have their head and they're, they haven't, you haven't seen them die. There's no, there's still a chance they're alive. I, they, this is just, this is just such a good freaking episode, dude. <laughs> like, yes. They made an amazing choice of not showing us the body. Yep. Which means that we, just like Kendall, Roman, and Shiv, are going through the same exact thing, which is, okay, is this a test? Because it could be. He literally gave a test 10 minutes ago. Now, this is a different kind of test altogether. (laughs) But it could be a test just the same. And you have Tom on the phone who is the one who calls them and is saying things are going poorly here. He went into the bathroom. They had to break into the bathroom. He was short of breath. They're doing chest compressions. And it's not till about halfway through the episode that someone gets on the phone with them, that being Frank, and says sort of definitively that he's dead. But at that point, we still haven't seen the body. And I don't know about you, but I assume so because of what you just said. If you were like me, I was like, okay, but okay, but is he really dead? Right. For, for, and again, the, the decision from, I guess, a directorial, I mean, I guess it would be writing to, to have these scenes and have us follow Kendall, uh, Roman and Shiv for the, what was it like 25 straight minutes or something like that Mm -hmm. of them receiving the phone call. And then all of the, the, backlash and consequence of that phone call it was mostly just usually just right there with their confusion too because you're and they're all saying it shiv saying it's like he's really dead is this a test like what what's happening here uh just man kudos so so many freaking kudos (laughs) to that that idea and apparently as we'll get into there was a that was somebody's idea it was somebody's idea yeah we'll get into the logistics of this episode because they are equally as impressive as the episode itself. And uh, as you mentioned, Kendall, Roman, and Shiv are now on the phone with Tom. And Tom is holding the phone up to Logan's ear. You get to the end of this episode and you look back on them saying goodbye to their father one by one. And I think it's pretty clear he was dead the whole time. And... He didn't hear any of what they were saying, but there's a chance we still we don't know and we'll never know if he heard anything that they said. But they all got their shot and each one of them was 
it it hurt. It hurt to listen to. Kendall basically said, I don't forgive you, but I love you. Oof. Roman couldn't do it in the slightest. He said a few things here or there, Roman-esque things, and then he just was like, I, I can't, I can't, and gave the phone away. At which point, Kendall goes and gets Shiv, brings her back, and she now forced into uh, saying goodbye to her possibly dead father after learning about it a minute ago, goes to the side of the room and is just her whole speech to her possibly dead father is completely heartbreaking. When she calls him daddy, a man that she hates yet can't help but love. And that's the same relationship with all three of these kids at this point. It is just, it pulls on the heartstrings completely. And the overarching feeling while all of them are going through this, that we still, as we previously discussed, don't know if it's real is so weird. Like, I just thought that she would call him daddy and she would be crying her eyes out. And then Logan would sit up and be like, you pussy. <laughs> that would be like the most on-brand Logan thing in the entire uh, entire universe. I was uh, waiting for it. The The cool thing, I think, and I am actually, this is just coming, this is fresh off the press of my uh, little cranium branium here, yeah. is the process of it going on the phone call with Logan with all three kids, Kendall Roman to Shiv is almost like a breakdown of like acceptance. Whereas like Kendall is still, he's like standoffish, like, Oh, I don't forgive you, but I love you. Like, is this still real? He's not dead. Like, come on. Roman is essentially just like, okay, no, I, I, I can't do this at all. I'm out. Like I can't even think about it. And then you have like a final breakdown where Shiv gets there and is just like bawling her eyes out, essentially having like a moment of true, uh, true emotion is almost kind of like, it's not like a guiding of the audience, but it's, it, I, there was moments where I was right there with them just kind of being like, I don't, there's no way this is real. No, I, I, I can't. Oh, like to the point where we're watching the episode, I was like, what the, like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, this is, this is insane. There's no way he's actually dead. And then Shiv's p- part of that was kind of, uh, a settling in of for the rest of the episode and getting prepared for what was really about to happen of just being like, Oh my God, he's fucking dead. <laughs> like, there's, this is insane. But I could totally see there being people who, until his body gets carted off the plane at the end, who still weren't believing that this would happen. I think it was the point where Shiv was done with her part of the call where I started to believe because it would be too juicy a moment for Logan to call her out uh, if he wasn't. And throughout this, Hugo and now Jerry, which is she fired? Question mark anymore? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, them... Two people are corralling the siblings. Uh, Tom is a large part of this because he is the one holding the phone throughout uh, the siblings saying goodbye. He also, at the end of that, calls Greg because he needs Greg to delete things. Uh, He sheds a tear. He admits to Greg that he's not okay. And also, you can see that Greg is with a woman who is overhearing the call. And uh, at the end of this, 
they are forced to make a statement because the paparazzi find out that Logan is dead pretty quickly. And I'm pretty sure the way they found that out is because the woman that Greg was with was listening to the call and texted somebody immediately. So Greg was the leak. Good job, Greg. <laughs> the disgusting brothers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, both disgusting brothers on this day showed uh, a bit of why they are disgusting. To maybe be a little quieter on the phone, Greg. I don't know. And uh, Tom is having an emotional breakdown, but at the same time, still looking out for himself, still uh, putting self-preservation above all else. Uh, he's telling Greg he needs to go to a specific computer. He needs to be next to Sid. He needs to be deleting the logistics file. Who knows what that is? Uh, or exactly what is in there. It is at this point that the siblings go and tell Connor. And when Connor learns that his father is dead, he immediately accepts it as truth. He, without even thinking about it, says, he never liked me anyway. And then pivoted from that to, I never got the chance to make him proud of me. And then pulls himself together and was like, no, 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 he did love me. He loved me for sure. Like, and I feel like he doesn't believe that he just for his siblings sake, like as an older brother felt as though he needed to sort of put out a vibe of strength, which is why he goes against what he actually feels. But you know what I didn't see coming in the fourth season of succession, Connor becoming one of the best, if not the best character in the show. Right. The the line of, I never got the chance to make him proud of me. And again, the episode before where he kind of just like basically spewed out to the siblings about how he doesn't need love and he learned to live without love. That was like a, a shocking moment in, a, in and of itself. And the show has done things with characters like that in the past. But now having two episodes back to back and him delivering the line of never, I never got a chance to make him proud of me. When I tell you on the couch watching this episode, I literally was like, oh my, oh no, it's happening. Oh God. It's really happening. This hurts. This is by, terrible. By the way, his father dying is going to help his presidential campaign. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like a lot. Oh my God. I want Connor to be president so bad. And in the playbook for him actually winning the minuscule chance of that happening, this is sort of perfect. Well, it, it is a step towards that happening rather than the opposite. So, you know, honestly, Connor for Prez, jump on the, jump on the train right now. It's, it's getting closer to the station. <laughs> He's like I just said, I think he's my favorite character in the show at this very moment. So for him to now be on an arc to possibly not even be president, but just like in the debates at some point in this season, uh, perhaps in the primary, get anywhere else but one percent is mind blowing. And I want it so, so badly. I was not on board with your theory and hope. Uh, one episode ago, I am uh, I am staking the coals now uh, on <laughs> yeah. the train. We are we're full steam ahead. <laughs> we're doing it. We're, we're on a train. We're, we're speaking it into fruition. Speaking it into fruition. Yay! We did it together. And yeah, your point just then is based off the fact that hey, we didn't think they were going to kill off Logan Roy in the third out of ten episodes. Putting it this early in the season is ballsy as fuck. It It is so ballsy. And at the same time, 
it it was almost it it's got to be hopefully it'll be looked at this but it's it's one of the better reveals of a plot twist i can as far back as i can remember right now because of how they shot the us the audience getting exposed to it if they did a sequence where logan held his chest and stumbled into the bathroom and locked it and they were banging on the door and trying to get in and asking him if he's okay. And you had a scene of him in the bathroom, like collapsing and then breaking in and pulling the body out and like all that. It would have been a completely different vibe. So much what worse. It would have been, it would have been pretty bad. I would, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have enjoyed it. Logan dying. I feel like was on the bingo card, but this early and this way, that this, I, I'm rarely blindsided. This, hit me across the head like an aluminum bat. <laughs> yes. We talked about in an earlier episode that we knew there was going to be a twist this yep. season. There was a leak that there was going to be a twist. The fact that it happened in the next episode. And by the way, it doesn't even not make sense that it happened. That's the best right. part. He just had a conversation with Colin about his own mortality. Yep. He then went to the karaoke bar and sort of gave his uh, now everlasting thesis to his children that they're not serious people. And uh, that is the last time they saw him in person. And then... The fact that we, as an audience, and they at the same time, don't get to say goodbye to Logan, now makes it so, while watching that episode, I think it's the best depiction of losing a parent Mm. on TV ever. Ever, period. Because you go through it as they go through it. And just like you just described, we don't see him go into the bathroom. We don't see him be short of breath. It is just instant and out of nowhere, but at the same time, with all the context that we have, you get to the end of the episode and go, well, of course, of course that happened. I never thought in a million years it was going to happen now, but of course it did. And not only that, I mean, you put that up against any like major death scene of any drama series or any series in general. I mean, and then contrast that into something like real life, like it's extremely rare, you know, it's depicted in all these other shows where the family's there, they know they're all surrounding the hospital bed, the, you know, the fucking heart thermometer or whatever it's called goes, bee! <laughs> the heart thermometer? <laughs> I couldn't think of it in the moment, dude. Come on, I can barely read. Uh, <laughs> I love heart thermometers. It tells you the temperature of the heart. And when it, it goes to zero, it's bad. The, the, the heart thermometer beeps. Yep. No, <laughs> yeah. Stick with dead. it. Double everyone's down. sad. Everyone's crying around the bed. Everyone's there. But this is like the most true to life depiction of it. Cause it's like, you have only a few people that are usually with a loved one when they do pass. And then they're responsible for calling the immediate family when it's happening. And it's just one of those things where it, it it's usually over a phone call like that as, as grandparents and other uh, family members I've seen pass. It's just that it was so insane. And so how, like, how did we not see it coming? How? No, I'm, and I'm <laughs> this is a bit of a sidebar, but I think it's important because I think it's a large reason why this episode hit the way it did and Logan's death hit the way it did is because he is a unloving father who, uh, you know, there was that one time where he got out of the pool and you could see whip marks on his back. Mm. Like you could tell he had an unloving family as well. And he was disciplined in a very physical way. Uh, I, I read a quote uh, er, earlier this week. Uh, I think it was in the succession 
uh, subreddit where somebody said, uh, if you have an angry man in your house growing up, you'll always have an angry man in your house and it might be you. <sighs> and Jesus. like that applies to Kendall. It applies to Roman. It applies to how they were raised and how they will now act as adults, which is, you know, like man children who can't get their tempers under control, but still want daddy to love them very badly. It, it hits this generation, uh, the, like, it's like the 18 to 40 in the, or not even 18, like maybe 25 to 40, which is a specific generation that, uh, you're trying to get watch your TV show. If that, uh, that age group, uh, especially men in that age group watch your TV show, usually you're going to get more seasons of it. And it hits that generation specifically with like their parents having a very large divorce rate. And uh, within that sect of our lives, our American white lives, where <laughs> you have a lot of unloving fathers who uh, were part of a divorce and now have a lot of children who are in broken families. It is. It, it, it doubles down on the fact that. Because you don't know Logan is dead the entire time, and because you're going through it the same way the kids are going through it, it is so easy to relate to this situation and think about uh, yourself, think internally, and it just kind of doubles the pain, doubles the pain, doubles the pain exponentially, where you get to the end of the episode where you're like, God fucking damn it. I like it. it, it I've not seen an episode of television relate to a very specific person and the general population so much, both at the same time ever. Uh, and I don't need to get to the end of uh, this episode or the, uh, the end of this podcast to say that this is an all time TV episode. Yeah. That's, right. Like that's unquestionable in writing classes, it's going to be on a fucking chalkboard of like, here's perfection. Yeah. And uh, not to uh, continue. It's an HBO um, podcast and an HBO IP. So I can continuously compare it to Game of Thrones. All I want. Absolutely. That's all we do on this podcast. <laughs> Fair. Okay. It elicited the same, almost to a degree, almost the same response as something like the Red Wedding did. Yes. Where when it was all happening, I was like, fuck you. Fuck off. Like, there's no fucking way that he's going to die. There's no fucking way that they're doing this right now. And then cut to 45 minutes later, you know, the, the episode concludes and I'm sitting in there staring at a black screen and I'm like, that was the best episode of TV I have ever seen in my yes. entire life. And, and we've, we've reached a new bar here for sure. Yes. If this episode, if Connor's wedding in succession, uh, isn't better than the red wedding, it is at least as good. Very much so. And, it's just a bummer because 20 to 30 million people watch The Red Wedding and only 2.2 million watch Succession. I think this will be uh, I think this will become a cult classic show, um, not in the sense of like a like a like the weirdity that surrounds cult classic stuff. I think this will I think that this show will have longevity. Because what do you think the heart thermometer temperature will be long term? <laughs> Fuck off. <dude. laughs> I couldn't think of the word. I still can't think of the word. What is it? Heart thermostat? What are we looking at here? <laughs> Heart thermos. You just put it in there. Just put it in there and then there's a little digital readout. It'll tell you how they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Turns out it's fine. They're doing okay. Not for Logan. He was not good. He's not good. He's dead. 
He's for sure dead. Uh, okay, let's get back to the episode because even more happens. So now we are dealing with the statement as to Logan Roy's death because we are, as you might remember, a day away from a transaction. He was on his way to see Matson. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen. And the people on the plane, Carl, Carolina, Frank, and Tom, are sort of vying with the children. Not really. They're giving the, the siblings the option to write the statement, but it's not incredibly clear who is going to do so. This leads to a moment where Kendall kind of takes charge and he says something incredibly poignant. He says, what we do today will always be what we did the day our father died. Mm. And I was like, oh, shit. Hey, Kendall. Haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, welcome back. <laughs> like You're a real person. It reminded me of season one, Kendall, when... Logan had the first health scare and he was yelling at doctors and he was calling other doctors and trying to put Logan in a better place. In fact, there was about two minutes of this episode where he sort of did the exact same thing, echoing season one completely. And then when he figures out, okay, doesn't matter about doctors because he's actually dead. He then, in a moment where he is grieving, has the clarity to be like, oh, hey, hey, hey. We need to focus up right now because what we do in this moment, like he said, it's going to be in court documents. It's going to be in memoirs. It's going to be in a lot of places for a very long time. So let's just be cognizant of the of that fact because it is a fact. Which is um, an incredibly, God, I don't know. I can't even think of a word to describe. The, it's heads like, up. Yeah, like the emotional maturity of that decision and to then to be able to vocalize it to a group like that is that's nuts that takes that takes a whole lot of gusto (laughs) so the kids decide they're going to be the ones to write the statement we go back to the plane and they are deciding what they have like they have to call matson at some point we don't see that within this episode but they are discussing it and then a moment of levity in the middle of the episode where carrie comes out uh, and they've stopped doing chest compressions. It's over. And Carrie is smiling and like asking what to do. And they sort of just send her to the back of the plane. They tell her about uh, the statement that they're going to try to make before the siblings take that over. And she's like, you could do, should I help? Can I, sh- you want me to help? <laughs> I'm, I'm so conflicted with her in particular because I feel like I don't think she was very sad. She obviously didn't get to live like, no Logan very long and she kind of hit the jackpot because I'm sure that he probably adjusted something in the will for her so on so mm. forth but it was almost a moment uh what I associated immediately when she was like smiling uh you could take it two ways in that moment is what did she do to Logan like as in she killed him or more specifically which is the camp that I'm in is that she just like didn't know what to do with her emotions in that moment because she's like I thought I was going to have to wait like 10 to 15 years. It's already here. I'm already paid. What? Right. Let's not leave out the possibility that she poisoned him because that could have happened, especially after being rejected uh, as the anchor uh, at ATN. Yeah. That plot point can't be that's that can't just be a random thing. That's that's got to be some of some importance for sure. Yeah. If it's not the truth, it will at least 
seep into somebody's mind as a possibility. So we'll see. Personally, I sort of hope she didn't. I hope he just died of natural causes from old age. Uh, but you know, if that happens, it happens and I won't be, I won't be mad about it. I, I do prefer it the other way around. When she goes through the plane and then gets sent to the back, Tom's line where, uh, you know, he is, Tom is told like, she's in shock. Just give her the benefit of the doubt. And he's like, yeah, but she looks like she just caught a foul ball at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> Stadium. <laughs> Fucking chuckles the clown over here. <laughs> Tom, man, him, him, whoever is responsible for uh, for writing his dialogue needs a raise for real. Yeah, and Carl, by the way, he's the one who called her Chuckles the Clown. Like Carl had one good line in this episode, and it was just yep. enough. We go now to Teterboro, where the plane has landed, and Shiv goes and gives the statement. Before she does, another moment of levity that I really, really enjoyed. In fact, I watched it again today because I just liked it so much where Roman and Kendall are talking about whether they're going to be okay or not. And they're like, you're going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, you too. Yeah, you're going to be okay. Well, you're not going to be okay. You're, you're fucked. You're, you're <laughs> fucked. You're, you're, you're really fucked. And they just keep going back. Like, uh, them being there for each other in that way, it reminded me of when Kendall, uh, confessed to them that he, uh, you know, killed that kid at the end of season one at which point roman was like well why was he in the car like he immediately <laughs> took his side uh right. and it's a fucked up moment where they're still there for each other like they are terrible vile people yeah they're just completely broken human beings and any sort of empathetic nature is just they're detached from that essence of humanity completely except for inside themselves because you for themselves <laughs> yeah no not just themselves but their their family their siblings ah, like see, see. they they it's hard for them to care or understand what anyone else's feelings are but they are very good at supporting each other because it's what they've had to do their entire lives they've had a common enemy since day one and now right. that enemy is dead what the fuck do we do now be a family <laughs> Probably not, right? Nah, fuck that. <laughs> You're weird. Shut up. Exactly. Shiv then goes and gives the statement, at the end of which she takes a question, which she probably shouldn't have, but they, she says that they're going to be around uh, when asked if they're going to be involved in ATN at, L, at all. Um, let's also remember that Logan, before he died, said that Sid was getting fired as well, Sid being the person who runs ATN. Uh, we don't know if that's actually going to happen or not. And the body gets loaded out. Shiv goes home. Roman's standing there. And, uh, well, no, Kendall is standing there. And Roman goes to see, uh, his body. And then we get a brilliant five seconds where they show Colin, his bodyguard. Mm. And it was like the best non speaking acting of the entire episode. Some of the best non speaking acting I've ever seen. Just a man who's lost his friend. Yep. He didn't get to say goodbye. He just, he's there. He was just talking to this dude about his own mortality not a few days ago. And now he's gone. And Colin, a character who I give two shits about, who really has had very little characterization this entire time, in one look, I'm like, oh, Colin. <laughs> the entirety of his characterization that's been given to us is essentially the uh, dinner or lunch that they had when they bailed on the birthday party and basically was like, you're my buddy, right? 
Colin's yeah. like, yeah, of course. Yeah, that, we're buddies. That is the entire characterization. So to see him like that, you're like, I only had this one thing. It's like, oh right. Yeah. And that even that moment was pretty sad because it was more of a characterization for Logan right. where, yeah, it just, it says to the audience, this guy doesn't have any friends. And we didn't think in that moment that Colin was his real friend. We weren't giving Colin the benefit of the doubt. And then in five seconds, looking at his face, that wasn't the case. It yep. was, it's very obvious that he considered him a friend. He considered him ve- someone very close to him and he didn't see this coming either. In the middle of all this, Roman sees that Waystar's stock price is plummeting as the paparazzi uh, now know that Logan is dead. So obviously somebody calling Matson is going to come after Matson learning unless, unless Matson's asleep or something in Sweden. Which we know he doesn't do, by the way. <laughs> also, Connor tries to pull out of the wedding with Willa. He's the one who says he doesn't want to get married. He even says to her, everyone's going to think you did it. And doing this right now is what I think is what I should be doing. But I'm so afraid because I- I'm just always so afraid that you're going to leave. At which point I was like, okay, that wedding's off. It's not happening. You'd think. <laughs> Port 15 minutes later, and they get married anyway. Which is a twist within a twist, by the way, because that's that's the real twist of this episode is is basically Willoughby given the decision to, you know, okay, you know, it's okay. We call it off. Dad's dead. We got to figure something out. She's like, no, we can still do this. (laughs) Yeah. What? He gave her an out. But she is a bit uh, emotionally compromised at the moment because she heard the cake story. And that's very sad. True. And they end up getting married with her three bridesmaids there to match the three siblings that were supposed to be next to Connor. Uh, but now nobody is. And they, at an empty wedding under the Statue of Liberty, actually get married. Another brick in the wall of Connor is a married man. His very famous dad is dead. And he's going to be the president. <laughs> he's the president bullshit again. <laughs> I mean, just kidding. I'm on board now. All right. And that's where the episode ends. And uh, a cone of silence is uh, around every person who who watched it anew. And now we get to talk about the logistics of the episode uh, before we I, I, I'll save the end for gushing a little more about it. But as you said earlier, it was somebody's idea to do 30 minutes straight, basically a play of them learning that Logan's dead, them talking to Logan uh, through the phone. And Connor learning, etc. All of that middle 30 minutes, they did straight as a 30 minute play. It was Kieran Culkin's idea that Mark Mylod, the director, actually took and decided to do. And then I learned, I feel like I knew that they shot on film, but I yeah. didn't remember or care until this moment where they were like, we did 30 minutes straight. Film only goes for 10 minutes. So for that 30 minutes, we had to hide film around the set and have multiple cameras to be able to like restock them, move lights. Like the idea of doing 30 minutes straight in not one room either on a boat. Like there's a moment uh, in Haunting of Hill House season one where they do a very long scene, but it's in one room with one camera. And it's digital, so it just can keep going. And they did that a bunch of times. It's hard enough to get a single 15-minute cut even on a digital camera. Uh, you know, one not, well, one take specifically because it's in play. But to do it reloading the film every 10, like that's just, that's just insane. <laughs> and then Mark Mylod said that most of that 30 minutes that we see 
is from that take. And that's just insane. It's the level of filmmaking. The levels, plural. Levels. Like, even like you like you said earlier, is that it's not even just the matter of how they told the story, how they gave us the twist, and the way they delivered it being like the audiences with all three of the siblings at the same time that they're going through all of their emotions. <laughs> Let's go another step and make it the most technically impressive thing to shoot on camera <laughs> as well like these dudes are just flexing at this point did you see by the way that there's a small reflection of an airplane in the season four poster i saw the like reveal of it and the posting of it on social media I had no idea didn't and see that just, at all. oh my god like, like you just said they're flexing and right, they continue yeah. to flex I also read that every member of the cast, with one exception, was not aware that Logan would die in this episode until the table read of the script. That one exception being Brian Cox, who was informed before production began on the fourth season that Logan would die early on because, you know, he had to schedule it out. <laughs> like you have you're going to have some time. Uh, you're going to do about a month of filming and then you'll, you can do something else because you're dead. <laughs> so when Adam and I got to the end of The Last of Us season one. Uh, which I enjoyed and he enjoyed even more than I did. I think uh, it, it can be definitely called a great season of television. Most of the people who watched it feel that way. Uh, there, uh, there are people, there are detractors to that notion, but I would say the large population uh, or populace that watched that season of television thought it was very, very good. And he yeah. asked, would it get, the Emmy for Best Drama. My response was, absolutely not. There's no way. Because when Succession comes out to play, they win. And right. That, and that was before this episode. I was literally just going to say that. You, we were, you were calling that in and of itself, what, like a couple months ago while you were recording for The Last of Us podcast. And now, without even giving this Con the context of this episode in particular, you were confident there is a 0% chance that The Last of Us is winning an award because of this season of Secession. Like, let's be right. real. If, if the Emmys had adapted screenplay, they would win that. <laughs> the Last of Us would. Right. They, will, they will probably uh, win makeup. They will probably win set design, maybe. Yep. No, yeah, that, that, that set design was actually pretty special. Exactly. But everything else. Success, just give it now. Just be done with it. Just right. You don't have to finish the season. Give them everything. Like the only thing you can be absolutely confident in The Last of Us winning is uh, best adapt adaptation from a video game based off of a fungal zombie infection. Like, yeah, <laughs> they're a gonna very specific, specific to award, award that they just made. Yeah. <laughs> what did this episode do for your weariness that they might not land the plane, aka fuck up the end of the season? mess up a show that I think we both believe is the best show on television, but just bungle it at the end. And uh, as I said, or as we've been saying, not to land the plane. What does this episode do for that notion? So it's the the play-by-play -play here is, I think, pretty important while I was watching the episode in particular because I would even seeing the body come off the plane, seeing it go into the ambulance, uh, you know, uh, Roman going to see the body, Kendall not, Shiv going off with Tom, all that. It was very finite. The paparazzi's there, the stock price is dropping. It's all, it's all very real, but there's, there was still like a moment where I was, I was still in the headspace of like, there's just no way, right? There's just, there, episode three, there's, this is impossible. The moment where I actually got 
more excited that they are going to successfully land this plane was actually the like uh, on the next couple episodes of Secession after the episode because that trailer in particular was essentially a whole season's worth of hype in the like teaser for episode four essentially it's obviously not all happening in episode four but to do to have this episode in its own bubble as like genuinely one of the greatest episodes of tv of all time and then to immediately follow it up and go you thought that was good this is all the stuff you have to prepare for for the rest of the season was the moment where i was like all right we're good we're good here i'm yeah i'm like i'm 110 percent positive that this isn't gonna be uh this isn't gonna be a bungle <laughs> The director, Mark Mylod, revealed that the scene at the end where all the siblings hug each other was unscripted and they just did that. Like, damn. It's it's hard to describe how good this episode was and how good this show is because it's everybody everywhere making it who are amazing. We are getting some of the best acting we've ever seen. We are, I think, getting the best directing of a television show we've ever gotten the best writing of a television show we've ever gotten. And up until this episode, I probably wouldn't have given the best just shot for shot, uh, the best filmmaking of a show that we've ever gotten. But I do now. This episode has entrenched itself in, oh, and by the way, uh, Mark Mylod, who has worked on Game of Thrones, who has worked on a, a lot of shows, is a straight genius as is jesse armstrong the writer and as are most of the cast even some of the side characters uh coming just full bore and also by the way coming into a situation where it is difficult to fail with how good the writing and directing is but still knocking it out of the park and by the way i've been watching interviews with jeremy strong he seems insufferable (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> he seems so annoying uh, doesn't brian cox like literally fucking hate his guts <laughs> he hates his guts outwardly he said that to people and uh, it's just so it, it's even harder for me to like him as kendall especially because kendall's sort of not likable a lot of the time i think it, it actually plays in his favor that him as a person is insufferable for his character in the show because i think at this point, especially, I think Kendall is specifically designed to be compl- absolutely fucking hated, like more than anything. Roman and Shiv, not so much. Roman more so. You're supposed to like Roman, and I do. I am rooting for him every time he's on screen. Shiv is as complicated a character as Kendall is because she does some shitty things. Uh, if, if given the chance to do something shitty or not, it's usually pretty shitty. And Sarah Snook uh, is getting the Emmy for for best acting for this episode. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say that uh, best actor at the Emmys goes to either Brian Cox for episode two or uh, Jeremy Strong for this episode. Uh, best supporting actor goes to uh, you know Tom Wamsgam. <laughs> He's straight out of Pride of Prejudice to here. He's getting that. Un- unless Roman slash Kieran Culkin gets it. They're just... Anyone can get it. It's, it's really up for grabs. <laughs> and yeah, I, I have I've said over and over again, this is the show that if someone says, what should I watch? This is the answer. 
And I agreed with you 100% uh, early in this season, uh, very much the Game of Thrones effect that like, I, I was wary even before the fourth season on whether or not I was going to continue doing so. That shit's over. Watch Completely Succession. Gone. Watch it right now. <laughs> I, I'm sad you listened to this podcast before you did. Cause yeah, what are you doing? That's crazy. A, that's a bummer. <laughs> Uh, but yes, you, everyone just fucking has to. And you know what's a kind of a bummer for me is that this show is making Ted Lasso worse. <laughs> like, <sighs> Ted Lasso is having a good last season, but going from succession to Ted Lasso, it, it, it just, uh, it sucks. It sucks because I want to love Ted Lasso and I want to let them be separate from each other, but I watch them one day after the other and, oh, you can, you're just in the middle of a Ted Lasso episode. You're like, eh. I, uh, I feel bad. I think I've only, we, we've only seen the first episode or first season of Ted Lasso. I don't think we watched the second one, but I actually bounced off Ted Lasso like pretty quickly um and it's usually the inverse effect that'll happen but with ted lasso it just became i think ted lasso is an insufferable character sure it's just the he has the same thing to say in a different southern twang weird american guy accent and then all the british people laugh and continue on with the story i think the rest of the cast outside of ted lasso is very fucking like crazy good i really 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 enjoyed them but when you if you were to put that directly up against this it is like it is almost like jv and varsity type type deal it is a totally different breed and i i think i brought this up before but i'm watching four shows right now i'm watching yellow jackets i'm watching succession ted lasso and perry mason succession's the best one out of all of them hands down there's no conversation uh, yeah. Ted Lasso is probably the worst and still a show that I very much enjoy. Uh, Yellow Jackets in third, and they are popping off this season. People should watch Yellow Jackets. And Perry Mason is a great show that episode after episode is enthralling and surprising and a period piece that just like is just banger after banger of an episode. All three yeah, of those it's, combined. It's almost, it's really Not unfortunate succession. for Perry Mason um, in that I, I think I maybe got through like 30 minutes of the first episode and the period piece stuff, just not not too much for me. But it's definitely something I want to get around to actually finishing and catching up on. But it's it's so tragic for them right now with Succession being this good is that they're already kind of like a niche show as in being like a period piece it's only going to capture a certain amount of audience, no matter how good it actually is. But now you have another show that's just firing on all cylinders. It's just getting buried. <laughs> and by the way, this show or this episode happens and it's a few days before HBO Max uh, announces that there's going to be a Harry Potter series. Yep. As well as they just announced today that there's going to be a new Game of Thrones series based on Dunkin' Egg. So, and that went straight to series. They're not even doing a pilot. They just can do it. So, that's going to be happening at the same time as House of the Dragon, which, by the way, is a show that I love. I think I'm going to like anything that comes out of uh, the Game of Thrones universe. And the Harry Potter show, as long as they don't, like, close their eyes and, uh, and just take weird swings, that I think is going to be really cool because because now it's a show, so you can, like... 
there are characters that were never even brought up in the movies because you can only do so much. Now you're doing like a season for one book. You can do so much with that. And I look forward to that an immense amount. But I'm sort of like, I'm jaded towards all of those things because of how much succession is not being watched relatively to House of the Dragon, to to the the big shows that are on television right now, and how much it won't be watched as compared to Harry Potter, as compared to uh, the new Dunkin' Egg show, House of the Dragon, even as much as like the Rings of Power. The fact that more people have seen Rings of Power's first season that it will probably ever see any episode of Succession is a real fucking bummer. It's uh, it's borderline a, a crime. It's at a crime. This point, but I think uh, I'm I do believe in my heart of hearts that uh, I think the show will have longer legs than I think we're giving it credit for or that we expect. I think it's going to be one of those things that people just continuously get into. After, you know, because, again, you have the HBO Harry Potter series, you have the Dunkin' Egg series, uh, you have House of the Dragon. These are going to be kind of continuous series, but they're going to have periods of time where there's a lull. And to have something like Waiting in the Wings like Secession, especially in like a subscriber-based uh, economy and market for these platforms, I think is just stupid strong. It's, it's, it's insane. You know, this reminds me, back in the day, the under the radar show for HBO was six feet under, which it goes on so many lists of having like the best finale of any show ever. Uh, Not many people watched it, but all of them who have say that everyone needs to watch it and that it's amazing. I personally haven't watched it, but (laughs) because not enough people have told me to, although uh, our good friend Alex keeps telling me, that I have to, and he backs up the fact that it's the best series finale that he's ever seen. This is the new under the radar show for HBO. And I hope that it has the legs that you're talking about because there hasn't ever been a show that deserves it as much as this. And I don't know, like gushing this much is like a little cringe to me, but I can't (laughs) help it. The show fucking rules. What do you want from me? I mean, what's the point of the podcast if you're not going to sit here and gush about your favorite thing, dude? Yeah, and it's so much better than almost every other podcast that we do that is basically just complaining. My favorite (laughs) podcast is The Empty Bowl. It's a meditative podcast about cereal where the ocean is in the background and they do ASMR and they talk about cereal. I hate ASMR, but when you talk about sugary treats, I'm fucking in. And what I will tell you is... That podcast gets a little annoying after a while because really it's 30 minutes, like it's a 30 minute podcast and there's 25 minutes and it's mainly just complaining about cereal because there's a lot of cereals that are bad and it's the exact same thing as HBO boys. A lot of this has been over the past seven years we've been doing it, uh, complaining about shows. And by the way, I'm not anti complaining about shows, especially when it comes to podcasts. Some of the best best podcasts we've ever done are Westworld season four because it was so dog shit. And (laughs) so we were having a really good time just shitting on it week after week after week. And the more we hate something, actually, my favorite podcasts that we've ever done are uh, we broke Justice League, the movie, the Zack Snyder movie, the extended version down into like three or four episodes. The first episode of which we did a normal podcast about like the first, I don't know, hour of it. And then we realized it was so, so terrible that we just stopped doing a podcast about Justice League and started doing a two-man show of what we thought it should be rather than what it was. And those are my favorite, (laughs) favorite shows because it 
we just didn't give a shit anymore about the thing because it was so bad that we just kind of went off the rails and going off the rails is uh if nothing else our brand so honestly like i like podcasts better that are complaining yet funny so this is like my least favorite version of our podcast where every episode is like this fucking rules. I don't know. <laughs> but still, Come you on, can't least, not do it. It's the best show on television. It's at least a nice change of pace, right? It is. And no, I'm not even saying I'm not enjoying myself. I'm enjoying myself immensely. I just think no one's going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's not true. That's not true. You know, what the, the fact is like, I love this show. I love doing this show about that show. And Ted Lasso's episodes, which, by the way, I, I, I love doing with Adam, and you can even hear me over there be a little bit contradictory to how good it is while uh, while Adam's like, best show, best show, best show. And I'm like, Ted's annoying a little bit. <laughs> and, like a uh, lot of it. You yeah. should get me on that one, too. I'll, I'll take on Adam. <laughs> no, no, I have enough negativity over there as, uh, as, as we need. Uh, by the way, uh, again, like I almost end every one of those episodes by saying, but I do like the show. I'm not hating over here. I I do like it. That show gets like twice as many people listening to it as this one because nobody watches Succession. And I hope this podcast has the same legs (laughs) as the show does. You know what I mean? Me me too. Me too. (laughs) Me too. Because I'm sitting here doing it right now. I'm doing it, man. We're doing it. (laughs) We're, We're out here. We're doing it. You better make this worth it, dude. I will tell you, like texting you to be like have you watched the episode yet and then saying nothing was difficult <laughs> yeah i i again it was it's episode three so i didn't expect there to be something like a, a ground shattering event that had happened but i judging by your response i specifically remember just being like oh i i gotta watch this asap yeah, this is I, this is I brian doesn't do this even though you, like you i bet you didn't think logan was dying i bet you just no. thought like the wedding must be fucking crazy right like i was thinking like wedding off the rails crazy connor jumps off the statue of liberty into the ocean Jesus. or something like really wacky and wild that'd be like, crazy too <laughs> yeah that would be too we got a but different death though not what's happening connor for president 2024 let's go let's Fucking go! Do you have anything else, sir? No, I'm good. Although, uh, uh, we should just start making hats and uh, shirts for uh, Connor for Prez, you know? Yeah, make, just do, let's do uh, MAGA hats, make America great again, but then in small text underneath, by that we mean Connor, though. <laughs> yeah, just a super, super small text. No one will, no one will, <laughs> no one will, everyone will know no, what's dude. going on. Everyone will know what's going on. Connor for President 2024, this is the end. Bye. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag sorry, bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.